everyone welcome to another episode of the stone genius my name's ro i'm the stone genius you know me i'm often stoned i'm always a genius uh today was a day off so i am stoned uh and i should really not even say often i should just say always stoned always a genius it just makes more sense and otherwise i really believe i'm lying to you the audience and i don't want to I will lie to you, but not about something stupid like that. Uh, I'm really excited today. We have a guest on the show. If you read the title of what you're listening to, you would have already known that. Uh, so I'm going to welcome this person to the show. This is Brandon Schecksnyder. Brandon is the uh, host and producer of uh, the Southern Gothic podcast which we will talk about on this show, uh, has uh, done many other things in the uh, audio engineering and other things. Hey, welcome to the show, Brandon. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I love... So, the we, we got connected a, a certain way, and when I read kind of what you did, and then I, I listened to some of the podcasts, it's... It, it, it really interests me because I always think those type of stories are are great and they're very inter- they're they're and the way you do them is great. So I just I, I just want to say I, I I'm very glad that you're on the podcast. Oh, I appreciate it definitely. Yeah. So I so looking at your bio that I see. You had you had done some uh, audio engineer work for some big names like uh, George Strait and Miranda Lambert, uh, and now yeah. you uh, are doing a podcast, um, and then you do some freelance editing and producing for other shows. What what's easier, the the podcast field or dealing with superstars? <laughs> well, you know, I was really lucky. Uh, most of my career up on Music Row up there. I work with some great people, you know, so uh, it was not that hard at all. But I definitely the that previous kind of career of working in music and and making albums and stuff like that. It was uh, a lot of time away from home. Right. So, you know, it was definitely a lot of time uh, just living in that studio and all. You know, that world's changed a little bit. So a lot of my friends that are still doing it, they're working out of the house now. But um, you know, that's, that's the upside is I get to be home more. I get to have a little more balanced life, um, get to do some stuff like that. But at the same time, I mean, this world of podcasting, it's, uh, it's, it's entrepreneurial, man. It is, uh, it is the wild west and it is, uh, definitely, definitely something where you are working, uh, one hand as a creative person. And then the next day you're, you're trying to cut deals or make deals and, and grow. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's definitely, a, it's, it's been different. It's been, it's, it's worked different parts of my brain. Um, I'm glad I, I, I'm glad I did as much as I did in music. So I don't regret pivoting. Uh, so I did, really did, did you think it was going to be easier because of the background you were coming from? Did you think that it was going to be easier than what it is? Is it just as challenging as you thought, or is yeah. it more challenging once you got into podcasting? I think it was different. So I think I I knew that if I came over, I could make something that sounded up to par right out of the gate. Right. I knew that if I, if I, if I moved over here, I wasn't afraid of any of the technology. You know, I know a lot of folks, you know, when they start a show, you know, they've got their strength, maybe it's their idea, maybe it's their business background, maybe it's 
uh, whatever it might be. And they're having to start from scratch with understanding what the tech is and yeah. the microphone. And they've got this whole learning curve and, you know, and I knew how to make something. I knew yeah. how to make it. I, I knew what it was going to be. Um, I knew what the level that I was going to expect to come out of it, how to get that MP3 out at the end, you know, and, uh, and get it. So, so I didn't have that learning curve. So, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, I, I thought it would move a little faster. You know, I think, I think you, you think you always think yeah. that if I can do something better, then it's going to take off, right. you know, not that I thought it would be wildfire. I didn't think it was going to be number one on the charts or anything, but, uh, but you like know, number two or three was doable on the chart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely thought it would move up faster. It took about, I think it was year three when we broke into like the top 25 history podcast. Right. So it took about three years, you know, and, and maybe maybe I thought it would be like two. <laughs> right. You know? Well, and that Something is like one that. thing yeah. that I, so I wanted to do podcasting, just long conversation uh, type of interviews. And I was getting ready to start at the end of 2019. And um, then when COVID hit, people started working from home. The, the equipment that I wanted was non-existent at that point. It, wherever, it, whoever had had it, you know, previously they had sold out. So I had to wait, you know, probably a good I'm trying to think of when I've been doing this for two years now myself, but I had to wait, but I was, I was much like you, you knew that you could put out something quality. I knew I had to, which is why I don't do video. Eventually I will do right. video, but I came out of photography and video. That was the field that I was in. And I used to have people that would come to me and they'd be like, heard you do a podcast. You know, I'm wanting to start a video podcast and you know, uh, I just, I need to get everything. And my first question would be, what's your budget? And they'd be like, I got like $500. Right. And I would just be like, yeah. I can't, I mean, you can do it, but you have to understand that it's not what you, it, like you're used to seeing finished videos of people that have, you know, put hundreds of videos out and learned and grown. And uh, so it, it, it would always amaze me. I, I would get that rare customer that they would be like, oh, I, I don't have a, whatever it needs to be, I'll spend. And so we would go and I, I wouldn't try to gouge them, but it'd be, you know, easily $9,000 I could get them to spend, you know, and they would be very happy with that Absolutely, setup. Absolutely, yeah. And, but, but that's yeah. why I haven't done video is I just, I don't want to learn that. I know that I could learn how to edit video but that is not my strength, so why bother? I mean, someone could do it That's much exactly. more efficiently. Yeah. I think the thing that most people don't realize when they make podcasts is that you got to scale it somehow. Right. You know, so like, I, you know, this isn't like when, you know, when we'd make an album for somebody, you had a budget that would kind of stop you. But at the end of the day, if it was somebody like George Strait, you know, he could, he could make that album for three years if he really wanted to. Right. right. I mean, he could just go and go and go and polish this thing and he puts this one thing out and done but like this podcast got to come out every you know wait depending on how often you know, i do mine every other week you know, every two weeks i got to put something out that means every two weeks i got to have a topic i've got to have research i've got to have it voiced over edited sound design all this stuff 
So it's did all you got to get done in two weeks? So did you enter going in, going, hey, I'm going to do this every other week, or was that something after doing it you found? Because I, I have found that the the sweet spot for my shows is about an hour and a half in length and three times a week. That's when, for whatever reason, yeah. if I do two shows a week, I get. It seems like I'll lose half the viewers, even though it's only one less show. So, or not viewers, but listeners. So, yeah. So that, yeah. I mean, it's it's well, just it's diff- difficult. It's it's dependent on the audience. And yeah. I, that's that's what's wonderful about podcasting too, is you know, and even at talking at scale, so you know, you had to make a system to get three shows out. Right. Like you found the sweet spot, and then you have to find a way to get that done with whatever other work, whatever other family life, whatever other things you're doing in your life, you know, you have to find a way to get those three shows out because you know that those three are the best, you know, Um, I kind of, when I came to it and started it, you know, I I knew how much research would be involved in ours. I knew how much I was doing at that point in time. I knew how much it would take production wise. Um, I still don't actually, uh, this it hasn't even come out yet. This episode, but I actually hired a writer for the first time to write something after five years. Was its name um, Chat B- GPT? No. Okay. <laughs> no, actually, I hired a real person. Okay. Real. Like, I mean, I've, I mean, I've used Chat GPT to help. I mean, I've certainly that's been a a, a, a cool asset. You know, we can go down that rabbit hole even if you want. But um, it's uh, yeah, you know, I, I mean, I knew that it was going to take. You know, this could take a week to research, and then this is going to wait take a week to produce it. Right. You know, on whatever other schedule of whatever of their life and other things, and um, so that mine was kind of set up that way. Uh, it, it hasn't struggled too much because a lot of the folks that I'm in competition with in my world and my genre um, either do seasonal things where they might put two, a ten episode run out, right. or they might do something of that nature. Um, so, so my audience in this kind of niche wasn't too far off, you know, I'm a narrative show. So, you know, I'm sitting in front of a microphone by myself and it's scripted. Well, um, and so it's got a different vibe. One know? thing that I, I, I really like, uh, enjoyed about your, your podcast are just the titles as well. Like a, a couple of the more recent ones were the, the hoof prints of bath and then the cry, yeah. ba- the Crybaby bridge of Anderson County. And it's funny because I will use, I try to use somewhat creative uh, titles for shows that don't have a guest. Because when I do have a guest, what happens is invariably I will have uh, people that follow those guests. And so they'll come to listen specifically to that guest and then they'll start poking around. Is there anything else? I, would I be interested in listening to right. any other episodes? And so it, it's funny because... Uh, the ones that get listened to, I'll just see the title, and I'm almost positive that they, someone was like, "Hmm, I just let let me check this one out real quick." Um, but I did love the the titles that you have on your shows as well. Yeah, well, you know, it, they're not as creative as they could be. I mean, they're pretty. <laughs> they're, I mean, they're they're kind of referencing what some of the legends are called anyway. But I, you know, I had gone through a whole thing even where you know, looking in SEO and stuff like that and trying to make stuff SEO friendly. And, you know, and there was like a little bit of a level of it, but, you know, looking in general where I was at, it kind of was, they just kind of, they are what they are. 
Right. right? They're, they're, this is the creepy folklore. <laughs> this is what it ends up being. Right. So, and so I yeah, guess we I've should explain to everyone also that uh, your your podcast, Southern Gothic, is about uh, s- basically spooky stories uh, from around the South for the most part, correct? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's all dark history, uh, um, old folklore, old legends, some historic true crime. So what, uh, what, when like you that, decided yeah. to do a podcast and you were thinking of a theme, cause people will still ask me, they'll go, what's your theme? I go, I don't have one. Uh, so, but what yeah. made <laughs> you, I mean, you, so you've narrowed it down. You have a niche. What did you always have a, an interest in this type of material? Was it, or, or did something else kind of, uh, push you or maybe even monetarily like, Hey, this yeah. may be a, a easy one to make money with. Well, I mean, it's definitely something that interests me, you know, like I'm New Orleans born and raised. So I kind of came into this whole like being into like old ghost stories and, you know, uh, grew up kind of in that environment. So so when you say you grew up in that, like like how much of it like really... So I had a cousin that had moved to New Orleans and stayed. Mm-hmm. They they had an apartment in a somewhere downtown, old building, high rise downtown. Yeah. And they used to say it was haunted, but they really wouldn't ever get into it. And then they moved up to the Northeast. Um, so yeah. w- when you said that kind of like growing up, you were surrounded by it. Was it just like everyone knew that's a spooky place or there were just spooky legends that seemed to be like, I grew up in the suburbs, so there's nothing, you know, the the spookiest thing about the suburbs are the neighbors. And so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, So, I mean, I didn't really, there were, there, there weren't any like horror stories or things, you know, uh, going on in the suburbs. So, so when you were growing up, what surrounded you like that? Sure. I, I mean, it's a vibe thing. Really. Okay. I mean, it's a place that there's it, just such deep history there. You knew you're from a place. I mean, you go on vacation somewhere else and you knew how distinctively different where you're from is different. Right. You know? Um, so, you know, you're kind of there, you know, there's definitely, definitely, uh, I mean, everything's historic and old, you know, right. you, 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 you wrap up in that, that it is a very Catholic city. You know, um, so it's very, very wrapped in that kind of old world ritual, even look, um, right. you know, we got you throw in there, you know, my teenage years or, or my, uh, I mean, maybe even a little younger than, you know, was wrapped up in Anne Rice, you know, the an- interview with the vampire movie coming out. Right. You know, really top topping that off. Um, I actually, you know, my parents were into genealogy and very deep into genealogy back before the Internet, you know, so they used to we were at cemeteries all the time. I was going to say, how would you look that shit up before the internet? Like I, like I'm 55 and I'm not a huge technology. I don't really care that much about technology. Like if it disappeared, I would, my Xbox, I want other than that, I'm pretty good. I mean, I don't, I mean, so I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, so, so they were into genealogy and they, they were doing that pre-internet days. That's crazy. So they had to go to like yeah, yeah. cemeteries and see families and how they were associated then. Oh yeah. Yeah. You'd go out to all these old churches out in the, out in the country. Right. And uh, just up and down the river up there and yeah, taking pictures of tombstones, you know, might show people who are together. Uh, might be visiting some of those churches, might, might have records, 
you know, go to some old uh, old parish libraries, stuff like that. Spend a lot of time in, you know, libraries and kind of their like microfilm and microfiche rooms and stuff like that. So, you know, they kind of had that. They kind of had that vibe of. of I'm sure that played into it some, you know. And so, I say all of this without even really saying like, I mean, I didn't really experience straight up like a haunted. I didn't live in a haunted house or something like that. Like a lot of folks that do this. Uh, they kind of start with, you know. Right. So did you, did your parents ask you to go with them? Did they tell you to go with them? Or did you ask them if you could go? <laughs> oh, man, we got drugged, man. It was, uh, we were, we were, we were brought, I mean, I remember being a little kid going to cemeteries. I so, mean, I remember like eight years old out there in that heat and humidity down there out in the cemeteries, walking around when my dad looks for somebody, you know. You know, and yeah. I, it for when I first hear you say that, I'm like, that's such a strange upbringing. But my family grew up in the church. Like my grandfather uh, was a minister. My grandmother always played the organ in the church. My mom was generally the uh, like children's ministry. And then my dad, for a long time before he we went back to being a pharmacist, was a business administrator. And they were always like really, really old churches. And we would run around in the yeah. dark and everything. And I was trying to think as we're leading up to to talk or dis, or talk tonight, is you know, did I ever experience anything? And I can't really say that I did. I think that I had chills, but I think that was just because I was you know a, a kid in single digits in the seventies, and I just didn't have you know I I, I was afraid of the dark probably. So that probably led more into it than actually something being there. But, you know, when I think about it now, right. all yeah. those old churches, you know, all the the funerals and stuff that they have, if something was going to be haunted, a church wouldn't be a bad place to be haunted. Although I don't know if the laws of hauntings allows a church premises. <laughs> See, I, 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 I don't know. So, um so you're saying that, and honestly, I don't even know if I, I can think of any stories of a haunted church. Yeah, so I mean, many I, stories as I've collected. I mean, the graveyards always are. Yes, you know, of course they always are. But so, have you ever heard that, of? Huh, have you ever heard of Stoll Cemetery? I believe that's what it's called. It's in Kansas. I think it's between Lawrence and Topeka mm -hmm. on a little highway. It's a, and they say that the gates to hell are there and. Like they have a police I presence. I've totally heard of that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's a, that's a big deal here. And I've driven by it down that highway a few times, and it's funny because I I feel like creepy driving up to it, but then when I drive through it, it's like eh, it's nothing. I, it's almost like the anticipation is what's what's kind of building in me, and I'm feeling more than anything else as I drive through it. Yeah, I, I, I've been to a lot of places where I felt similar. You know, I think if a lot of people, man, I, I people ask about ghost hunting. I, I get so many questions about ghost hunting all uh -huh. the time and about going to haunted places. And, and I tell people, man, if you, if you really are into it at the same time, you don't need to go to one of these famous places. It's almost more all the aura around it. Like, you could drive around your neighborhood. There's going to be an old house. There's going to be something there. Right. That, that you, even ghost hunt, you don't have to go to these big ones because a lot of times it's almost commercialized scare at right. this point. It's, you know, a tourist scare. It's, it's almost more just this thing. And, and like you're saying, 
you get there and you feel a little let down. It just looks old. And that's yeah. it. You know? Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the hotel in downtown Denver. Um, but it, it's supposedly a, a very haunted, one of the most haunted places. And in downtown Denver, the, they used to, at least pre-pandemic, do like ghost tours. And they would always uh -huh. go through this hotel. And we would stay there in downtown Denver. And um, one night they were doing the, uh, the ghost tour and they bring them in and they're in there for like 10 or 15 minutes. And I asked the person behind the desk, which was up on the second level where I was, I go, do you guys have a sheet? And they go, oh, yes, sir. And they're like thinking that something happened. We need a sheet for it. So they brought me a sheet. And I put the sheet over my head. And so I walked over to the corner. And as they're down there on the first level giving this ghost tour, I moved like four feet to the right so that I could be seen in my sheet. And I moved back. And I took the sheet off and just went about my day. I thought it was because uh, everyone was like, Ooh, and I, you could hear little bits of chatter with it. And then they thought it was part of it. And somewhat they kept more like, no, there is nothing here. There's nothing part of it. It was just interesting. But it, I also thought it was interesting because we were there for so many nights. How many people go on those tours? So that, I mean, yeah, there's a huge different. draw and interest to that, which I, I totally get. I, it's incredible. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's basically at this point, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these historic places turn to this as like an income stream, right? You know, and and they turn to that as a way to renovate and to to fix things up. But uh, you know, I know the way that the way that I look at it, even is you can see the changes in ghost stories. Like if you if there's some old story from like 1850 or something, you you can see how it evolves over time. And back in the 80s, there was a big shift in the way we told ghost stories, and a lot of that came out because of like haunted bed and breakfasts and plantations, you know, and starting to do things of that nature, starting to like, you're trying to attract people there for these ghost tours. Right. And it almost impacted the way we even told stories and kind of added new stories. And um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's absolutely I, all over the place here in Tennessee. There are place there are, you know, these historic civil war uh, things that just, uh, that's how they're funding fixing right. it up, how they're doing the restoration renovation. So, yeah. yeah, it's it's definitely it's a thing unto itself for sure. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's funny that you mention that because I went and this is probably 15, 16 years ago. I had to go to a meeting in Savannah. And the only thing mm -hmm. I remember some food and like eating at places. But most of what I remember is haunted this haunted that tour this tour that because wherever yeah. I was staying in that part of Savannah downtown or whatever is called. Uh, for this meeting, it, it seemed that, like you say, it was very much geared, and that was 15, 16 years ago, and it was very much geared yeah. like that. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Have, have you, yeah, have you experienced something yourself that you just can't explain? I mean, I've had a lot of small things. I don't have a large story like some people do. I haven't really been through, you know, where, where, Again, I didn't grow up in a haunted house or something. I didn't kind of have something like that. I mean, most people, what they tell me when they when they really, most people I know in this kind of field that I'm in, and most people that are really hardcore ghost hunters and all, they all, always say they came through one of two ways, right? They either grew up in a haunted house or they had some type of experience with like a family member after they passed. That seems to be like the two main kind of like like avenues into it. And I didn't have either one of those. Right. 
Um, so I didn't, I didn't, I didn't kind of get into it that way. So I've experienced stuff, but it's like the verdict's still out of it's unexplainable. I don't. So know what, what, it is. what, what was the, to... what was the incident where the verdict is out? Sure. Well, so I actually, I, I, I do this. They give ghost tours down here. I'm right outside of Nashville in a town called Franklin. And, uh, this, this Franklin is, it's a civil war town base. There's a immense battle here uh, right at the end of the war where it was uh, 20,000 people from the north, 20 from the south, all converged right here in this little town. 10,000 people died, went missing, and were wounded in a period of like five hours. Okay. Wow. So massive casualties. You know, this is, I mean, we're talking, this is like 20 times the amount of people that are injured at this point and dead than even lived in this town when it happened, right? Right. So just uh, immense, you know, Anyway, there's a, there's one of our one of our spots here that is on the on the, one of the big famous uh, the big main ghost tour spot is this house that it's called Cherry Manor and it is a uh, it's just this old house from 1820 uh, built by a rich dude you know lived in was in their family for years and years and years and the thing about it though is that the story is it or this this house I mean is everybody talks about this is like the scary one. This is the one where people take pictures of the pictures of it. And we see pictures in the windows of people, you know, they constantly see, they always say it's this, this, this kind of like a uh, malevolent girl or something looking out of the window at you. And people talk about going in there and they don't feel upset and feel uneasy and they leave. And anyway, it's just, it's a spot that's got all this stuff attached to it. And people talk about it. It's like the last chapter in the ghost book for Franklin, that kind of place. Right. And um, it feels kind of hooey and kind of, you know, kind of hokey at first, but you know, like, uh, but that's the place where I actually think like I, I felt the most uncomfortable at one point, there's no story attached to it for a place that's as haunted as that. You don't get a lot of those places without like a really firm story of right, like you know John Smith, yeah, here. right. And, huh. and this one's just completely devoid of it. It's got a couple spirits that people talk about. They've got like some conjecture about it about this. There was a woman who lived here, a, a girl who lived here that uh, at one point there was a college for women, like a high school boarding school here, and it burned down and it was arson. And that's factually true. And then, and then these girls came and lived in this house. And, uh, and that girl is the spirit. But aside from that, there's no explanation as to why so many people feel so upset at it. And, um, you know, and I've just had a few times where I've gone out there and gone up to that spot. And just the, it's, it's, it's less an experience visualizing something or seeing something or seeing like a shadow person or playing with an EMF reader. And it was more of just a really upsetting you feel like there this place is just wrong. And know? did you and, and I don't quite know how to describe it. And did you know at that time that it was because of your like geographic location, or were you like, Wow, I don't understand why my stomach's this upset? Or were you like it was a feeling yeah. like uh, uh, not dread may not be the right word, but something was was it more something amiss or was it more of a physical reaction that you had? It was more physical. That would, dread is kind of I, I would I, I think dread's not that that off of a word for it. Okay. Definitely more of a physical, um, you know, 
like a fight or flight type feeling maybe. Okay. I, I did know what it was. Okay. I, and I had been there before. So like I, I didn't expect it. And so you had it, had it at your previous, your previous yeah. visit. You didn't have that same feeling. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. You know, and I mean, it's something, you know, I hear that sometimes, you know, we, I went, I went up to, what is it? Waverly Hills Sanatorium up in Louisville. And it's like a super famous haunted place. It's yes. I told you not to. About now. It's super. I mean, all the ghosted, everybody has done ghost hunts there. And, you know, and my girlfriend and I went, stayed, uh, did a 12 o'clock uh, midnight to 6 a.m. thing there with a group of people. And, um, you know, this ghost, there's so many people running around. It's hard to, you know, like it's, Right. Not really. It's, it's Did, almost more fun. There's were any of those people, people assholes right? like trying to be like, Ooh, oh, I think I heard them. <laughs> no, this is like if you're if you're going. It was in the middle of December, so it's like 25 degrees, Eesh. and it's like like we're there from 12 to 6 in the morning in this abandoned hospital. I mean, we were there with I mean some some hardcore nerds. Yeah. So I mean, this, these were guys. They were in there. They were in it to win it, man. You, you, you know? would have lost me at 25 <laughs> degrees. You could have come up and said, Ro, you are 100% guaranteed to see a ghost. You can touch a ghost. You can interact with a, an up. actual ghost. And I'll be like, yeah, but it's 25 degrees. Yeah. I'd be like, I'd be like yeah, no. I mean, I'll go, if they'll see me in the summertime, I will definitely do this. This sounds like a lot of fun. But right now, I'm just going to have to hold off because of the temperature. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we were down. I mean, man, we were packaged up for sure. I mean, we had the, you know, we had the foot warmers, everything. I, we, we actually, we bailed at four thirty. We made it to four thirty. We didn't stay all the way cause, just because of the cold. But did any of those other know, people and, uh, call you and be like, "Oh, right after you left, the headless dude showed up"? No. Oh. Okay. No, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, you know, you walk around there and you kind of have, you know, folks doing what I would call like trying to get evidence. Right, guys that got like the little meters, the oh, little like you know, things, you know. You kind of walk into a room, and you know, there's a couple guys around there, like, oh man, you know, like check this out, and whatever. And it's just kind of like, uh, like the ghost shows on TV, yeah. a little too, you know. But but man, we we hit this one point, you know. We kind of, I, I like I, I enjoy doing it, and and I don't really pull out all the tools and stuff i'm not that kind of person that goes to these do places. you have the but tools if you needed to pull them out i mean i just i have like an emf reader and a little spirit box but well hold on honestly, hold on I've you never... say you say that matter of factly <laughs> like you know like <laughs> like everyone just has you an EMF. you're like i got an emf yeah. in a spirit box and, uh, and then you just keep yeah. talking along you so, know what they are uh, yeah, because I, I think an EMF is like the electromagnetic something or other. Uh, I yeah, feel as a genius, yeah. I should know more about this maybe, but I've seen it on the shows. The, it's a beep, 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 yeah. boop, 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 boop. And the, the faster, I think, if you have a one that goes yeah, boop, yeah, boop, yeah, boop, yeah. the faster the boops, the the more, the, 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 I guess the uh, spirit is closer, the fa faster. So, but yeah, what is a I mean, spirit box? Because idea. immediately the only thing I can think of as spirit box is like a slang for the things that they used in Ghostbusters, the little thing they would slide on the floor and it'd open oh, up and get yeah, the ghost. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I'm it's picturing cool. as a, oh, it's not that cool. Hold on, I got a sound for that. Okay, so what is a what is a spirit box then? 
right. So what the, which which you have is it's like a little radio, okay? And what it does is it's a radio that flips through stations at, at a very high speed, okay? Switches. Uh huh. And what what supposedly the way that it's supposed to work is that it, that 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 rate of frequency allows allows you to hear a voice that 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 rate of frequency can be manipulated so what you'll see on like a tv show or something they call it the estes method okay where you'll see somebody will put on headphones and they will be listening to this this spirit box kind of flip through radio stations right and then you have somebody else who'll be talking to you know the spirit right so be asking questions or something and this person with headphones doesn't hear what the questions are but every time they hear some words or something they'll answer okay and this is so it's meant to be like this blind kind of uh kind of concept here so this has become really popular in ghost hunting circles because you know it's a way that that folks believe you can talk to it so that's one of the tools I am yeah, going to next time we're at a function with other couples. I'm going to have my wife utter the phrase, "Ro, is that a spirit box in your pocket, or are you just happy to see me?" And then we're <laughs> we're not going to explain the comment because she's referencing yeah. the pocket. People aren't going to ask, and we're just going to leave. And you know they'll be like, "Hold on, what? Hold on, what spirit? Hold on, pocket," and it will just confuse the shit out of them. I have learned yeah. something new. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited about that. The spirit box. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, I, I tell people, look, if you would, would depend on how you believe in what you do. You know, I mean, a lot of these, a lot of the ghost hunting tools are, you know, they're really valuable, valuable pieces of equipment. You know, that EMF reader, it gets near your cell phone. It's going off. Right. You know, like it's going up there, you know, so it's, it's, it's kind of, it's all touch and go. But yeah, that, that spirit box thing has gotten really popular. Yeah. I'm just thinking about going out with someone that has their EMF reader and I put a prostate massager in. <laughs> Every time they wand back and forth, they get to my ass and they're like, huh. <laughs> okay, yeah, so that's how much I've been smoking so far today. <laughs> oh, um, so it's so my personality uh, gets me in trouble sometimes because people won't. Like if I say something, they'll, they'll think it's a joke when it's not. Because I talk about our first house that we lived in when we moved back to Kansas City. We were in a suburb and it was just this ranch. I mean, it was, geez, I don't know, maybe 10 years old at the time the house was. So it's not like it didn't have a history. It wasn't, I, to my knowledge, it was not built on sacred ground or anything. But we used to have this problem with the lights and this is back in the nineties before like smart lights. Like right now if the power goes out and you have like, we have smart, all of our lights are smart lights. And if yeah. the power goes out and the power comes back on all the lights come back on like at full, uh, yeah. full strength. So what would happen is I am very anal about checking doors and the garage door and making sure that looking in the garage, make sure the lights aren't on in the car, that the garage doors down, you know, checking everything, making sure everything's out and off before I go to bed. And for some reason, well, after we first moved in, I started hearing voices in the morning. I'd have to get up about four every morning and I was hearing children's voices and it sounded like it was coming from outside. I couldn't hear what they were saying. I could just, it just sounded like children's 
pitch, and they were talking, but I couldn't understand what they were saying. And I didn't want to tell my wife because she, I thought she would freak out about it because she generally does not handle that type of unknown situation very well. So I kind of kept it to myself. And then when, so I never mentioned that. And then when she started, she would go out of town. We our our oldest was young at the time. She would go back to visit her parents uh, with our child. And I would have to stay in town for work and I would go to bed at night and all the lights would be out. And then every single light would be on the, the, the dog would give a quick growl and then I would wake up and every single light would be on in the house. Like every switch was in the up position. Every even lamps that had the little pull things back in the day, everything was on. Yeah. And it was never I mean, there was, was nothing, nothing out, yeah. there was nothing bad. I never saw like a shadow. I never I never caught them being turned on. But I do remember once I, I turned every light off in the house. I go back and lay down. And we've always had Dobermans, and I hear this. And I, I open my eyes, every light's on again. And I just remember oh, yelling, wow. come on, I need to sleep. So I just I just pull the blanket <laughs> over. I mean, I was just like, you know what? Maybe Maybe they'll find out when it doesn't bother me, they'll turn them all back off. So I think I just covered my head. But I, I, I never felt dread. I never felt anything. But when I tell yeah. people that story, everyone's like, okay, whatever. And then all Bobby says is, yeah. No, it's true. And they're like, oh, really? Tell us more. So, uh, but she had heard, <laughs> she heard the voices too. And she just didn't know how to tell me because she was hearing them later. So I was hearing them like at 4 a.m. She was hearing them like at 6 a.m. And literally thought there were street kids out there. Hoodlums, I believe. Punks yeah. may have been the term that she used. Uh, but that's the only thing that we've ever kind of encountered. Um I mean, it's uh, at least the, uh, that's all I've ever encountered. I've never, you know, the apartment we downsized, we moved into an apartment. When we moved into this uh, apartment complex, it's very small. Many of the residents have been here 20 plus years. Uh, the common, when we're told that most people, when they move out of here, they move out feet first, meaning they die. And that's how they move out. Yeah. And literally like two months into it, our uh, youngest daughter, our youngest child was helping uh, this older lady that lives in the apartment complex, like carry her groceries in and stuff and help her run errands and do things for her. Yeah, she just passed away in her apartment. No one knew for like a week. Yeah. Yeah. So, But I've never had anything at the apartment. One day I thought I saw like, uh, like a shadow figure go through the living room. But I just thought it was odd because I literally had watched like an ancient aliens or one of those shows that was talked about shadow figures and I was super high. So I did the real basic math and said me watching that show plus the amount of marijuana that I've consumed, I'm going to lead myself to believe I did not actually see a shadow figure. And I've never seen it since. <laughs> So, yeah, <laughs> gee, I mean, you never know. It might put your brain in a space where it can accept it. Well, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know, and so I had someone else on the program that uh, was talking about uh, the afterlife, being able to communicate with spirits in the afterlife. 
And uh-huh. we had, a, it was a, I thought a very good talk. I learned a lot more than I guess I thought I was going to going into it. Um, it was very interesting, but I don't think I put, I mean, I just, to me, if a spirit, I just think that spirits are going to have better things to do. Now, if they're tied to like a house, like you said, like you grew up in a haunted house, the, the home is haunted and the spirit can't leave there. I get them. They've been there for 200 years. They're fucking with furniture and stuff. I get that. Um, but in other instances, I, I don't know where I was going with that, but I, I just, I mean, I just, with, with like, no, 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 I understand what you're saying. You're saying basically like, what, what, why, why are you here? Right. Like, so for, yes, exactly. So with, with that, I was like, like she was saying that her father, uh, was like communicating to her, like, um, you know, saying something about a, uh, a, 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 a like a, I think it was a sofa, like a couch, because they were like a psychologist or psychi someone that used a, a sofa like that. And my thing is, if you can communicate a couch, why can't you just fucking say couch? And why? I mean, why is that what you're talking? I mean, it just seems like none of the conversations. It just seems like if we're if people at some point are having that communication or interaction, it just seems like they're kind of benign. It just seems like there needs to be more substance if we're at, interacting with another realm. I'll, I'll give you that. I, I think I'm somewhere on the same level. I mean, that's what when I go to places, I don't. Again, why I don't like using that stuff. Yeah, because I think at the end of the day, if you're going to experience something, I want to I want to see something, man. Right. I you know I don't want to go, I don't want to you know go to go to the most famous sanatorium or whatever, and and you know and play with my phone and and talk to you know the air, right? You know, I mean, I'm going because I want to experience something. But would I, you rather? Funny, you know, you're saying that though. What you got? Well, I was just going to say, would you rather go to a place and not know the history? Like whether it was haunted, not haunted, what the hauntings may have been, so that you would have your own experience as opposed to, oh, well, most people see a headless apparition or or what you know, where not right. leading the witness, but you know, oh, well, there's some baseline that now you have to work with because you oh well, I didn't see a headless apparition. I saw one that had a you know, where it's <laughs> a you know, kind of yeah. like a similar story. Or would you rather just be be somewhere and you either feel something or you don't? Yeah. I mean, I think what my, the way my interest is, I, I'm more interested in the, in the building itself anyway. So I usually like to know a bit about the history of the building and really understand it. Cause uh, what my interest lies in normally is like the power of that place right? of, of going somewhere, going, going into this old home. Like I went to uh, Pike mansion in St. Louis or outside of St. Louis and it's just, it's condemned now basically. Um, it was uh, just this beautiful, big, beautiful mansion that is just falling apart. And you kind of go in there and you know a little bit about the history of it. And, uh, you know, I don't know if we had an experience that night. I didn't really. It was, again, this is one of those things that was with a crowd. But going to that place and standing in that living room where you look up and you see like the beautiful crown molding that's like basically falling off the wall at this point and you can see the level of extravagance and feel like uh, there's some type of connection 
that you kind of get when you go to somewhere and just realize this has been here for 150 years. And if these walls could talk, whether it's paranormal or not, what would it, what, what's here? And uh, that, that's more what my interest kind of lends to rather than the straight up, you know, um, going and trying to find the headless guy. Right. You know, you and now that you, you know. mentioned that, and that's one thing that I love talking to experts or people that are passionate about their field is it helps me con- to connect things that I haven't really thought of because I haven't really, you know, when I think about ghosts or the afterlife that I understand that we're energy. So I'm not saying, cause I've always said as a Christian, I'm always like, uh, the afterlife is either going to be amazing or it's going to be nothing. I'm not exactly sure which one. Um, but I, I think those are pretty much the two options. I have heard someone say that we're going to have jobs in the afterlife. I hope that's not the case because (laughs) if karma is any part of this, I am going to have just a shitty ass job, probably a retail job. That's why I'll have in the afterlife. If that's the case, Um, you know, but when I, when I generally think about hauntings and things i dismiss it a little more because i have not when i've been at a place that has been advertised or indicated that it has a history of hauntings that i generally don't feel anything but i will tell you that in a different way and it's not that i'm trying to feel ghosts or anything but like Kansas City has an amazing Union Station. I actually think that it was built prior to New York State Union Station. If I'm not, I don't know where I know this information, but I, I'm almost positive that Kansas City Union Station was built prior to. It has this grand, amazing hall. In fact, back in the 80s when I was in my teen years, we would go down there before they renovated it. You could basically break in you wouldn't break you didn't have to break anything to get in you would get in uh you know as pigeons and hobos is what kind of inundated that but now that they've cleaned that up we travel by train a lot so the amtrak still goes out of there but it doesn't leave out of the grand hall and the grand hall is just amazing i don't know how tall the ceilings are uh i mean they've had fbi shootouts back in the 30s or 40s out in front where the bullet holes are still and sometimes i just go stand in there we're waiting for a train and i may be the only one in this grand hall that had you know hundreds of people waiting for trains back in the 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 grand days of train where everything came through kansas city and i sometimes just try to feel that energy that yeah. of all those people moving around. And it's not like I'm, but now that I think about it, I mean, I'm technically trying to feel ghost, but I've never, and still I, until you're talking and we're talking about the energy and you know, the, the building and, and the history of it, I never really compared that. Cause I was just, I'm trying to feel the energy of the people that are here before. And if you get deeper into that, those people are now dead. So if I'm feeling their energy, then they might be ghosts. I mean, you know what I mean? But I, I try to do that. And I think about, what I, you know, as a, as a Christian, that I, I've always wanted to go to Jerusalem. I think that that would be a, 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 a an amazing trip. And part of it is I just want to feel that. Uh, whether right. everything is true or not, just feel the energy that was once there. Um, and I think that's yeah. what hauntings can be or... 
you know, maybe they're mistaken. That is actually what it is. And it may be mistaken or I have no idea. But I mean, have you ever thought about it in that way? Try to, I mean, have you ever thought about just feeling the energy of a place, but not really framing it in the mindset of a, a of ghost or the afterlife or necessarily? I mean, that's almost more what I tend to look at a lot when I do go to places. I okay. feel like that you can, you can get that. I feel like just going, going and shutting your eyes. I mean, you go, if you were to go and you walk on this battlefield over here, it's about a mile away and you go and you stand there and you really stop and just kind of like meditate in on it, you know, close your eyes for a minute and just kind of, you know, feel where you're at and, and look at it that way. I, I don't see how you can't kind of commune with that yeah. in some way. And, and I think that that's kind of, that's typically where I like to start with it when I go to a place and, and to kind of, you know, what was here, what's, what, what's important about it and imagine all the things that are here and then, you know, kind of feel out and, you know, maybe there's more of a ghostly experience of a paranormal experience that, that, that could add on to that and be a little more than that, which would be uh, fantastic. It would be right. wonderful to, to experience that. But um, you know, I always do start with that. And, and like I was saying, with, even with going to Waverly, you know, that was, that was our intention when we went there <laughs> before our spirit box uh, right. talk. Right. I mean, it really, I mean, that's what, you know, what, what we really tried to do was we tried to go in there and walk around and go sit and, you know, you go in this wing that was the children's wing and just like feel what's going on there. And, and maybe we're going to experience more. Maybe we're not, but if we do have one, it's going to be a pure experience. Right. That it's something really you know, fun and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it's. And I try to uh, incorporate everything that I think would be going on, like the sounds that because generally where I've I've been, you know, it, it, I'm not going to hear a sound I probably have not heard before or something. So, you know, I can put myself in its situation and be like, I could go out, I could go to an empty baseball stadium, but imagine what the sound of the crowd is like, or the, imagine the smell of the exactly. food uh, of, that's been there before, because I can experience and, and, and makes it more real and can tie that in. Cause I think about that every once in a while, there's here in Kansas city, we literally grew up. Our house was right behind a mall. There was like a green space in between our house and the mall. And then you'd walk through this green space, heavy, heavy green space, and then you'd be at the mall. So I spent a lot of time there, and the mall is completely gone. And things are starting to go up, like individual standalone restaurants and different things on the spot. But one day I had to drive through there, what's now a parking lot, to go to this business that's there. And I kind of, as I was driving slow, I was trying to imagine where I was in the mall. And then I was trying to imagine you know, all, all that went on there. Cause I do know that people died in that mall. There was, uh, you know, heart attack, not like anything violent that I'm aware of, but like heart attacks and things like that, that happened, you know? Yeah. So, so there was a lot of energy, but it was weird because I, I would like stop the car and I'd kind of look around and I'd, I'd see the shape of the train and I'd be like, okay, well, I would have been on the second level and these, this is where these stores would have been. I just always try to find that energy. Cause I think that is fun. And like you said, if it led to something more, that would just be amazing too. Yeah. That's 100%. Yeah. So what is the weirdest thing doing this? And maybe not weirdest, maybe most unexpected thing that has happened to you 
since starting this podcast? Oh, man. Um, you know, I, I you know, we have this one story that it seems like every time we, like, really go and promote it or tell it, something good happens. So this is, this is my weird paranormal, right? You know, where we got this, uh, this one story that we tell about this woman who was supposedly a voodoo priestess. And she lived out in the swamp outside of New Orleans and, you know, lived out there. And, and they say that she cursed this small town in southeastern Louisiana out in the swamp and said, you know, when I die, I'm going to take the whole town with me. And, you know, there's a lot deeper to the story and all. And um, eventually, you know, she's, so the town gets afraid. They hear, you know, she's telling them that she's going to destroy the town if she dies. And then a few days after she actually dies, this giant hurricane comes through southeastern Louisiana in 1915. And over 200 people dying in Louisiana um, that day from this hurricane in this town where she lived was utterly decimated, just destroyed. Uh -huh. um, nobody. I mean, there were people, you know, people going for the train. It was a little isolated swamp community. So it wasn't exactly in the best condition anyway for this kind of thing. Right. But anyway, so this story has kind of sprung up and I, I don't know, maybe like uh, over the years, this, this woman has become this like vicious voodoo priestess that, you know, wanted to destroy this town that had crossed her. Right. You know, and we started researching this story and started finding, you know, finding her on census records and finding, found her marriage certificate and finding information about her as a real human being, you know, and started going through old, old newspaper articles and stuff like that. And, uh, really digging into to who she is again as a human being, as opposed to this like this like you know witch of folklore, and um, you know we we put out an episode of that and, and did this research and we kind of kept going with it and got really into it and um, you know I, I work with research wise my sister helps me do a lot of the research she uh, she took that genealogy bug and she she's actually an archivist at the Louisiana State Museum now so. Um, she, you know, she's she's the she's much smarter and able to to access a little more research than I am, and she she kind of became obsessed with this story and um, went and actually got something published in one of these paranormal journals and and all. And anyway, to get to the point though, so you know, we got really obsessed with telling this woman's story and telling it not as this this vicious or you know posing that maybe right. maybe this woman wasn't this awful voodoo priestess after all. And, and almost every time that that something like in our first few years of growing as a podcast, it always surrounded her. It always so we had, you know, we had this episode. We would we had someone contact us uh, for uh, for a business uh, deal, if you will, you know, a business type thing. Right. Contact us, and they're like, "Hey, we found your show. We think you're incredible. You know, I blah 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 blah. And you know, I, I want to work with you on this other thing." And we're like, oh, cool, great. What did you find? And he found that one. That was so, the one that tipped him over. So you you're know? saying that a show that you're trying to depict a different side, someone who's been portrayed as a vicious voodoo pri uh, priestess, you're you're showing a different, what could be a different side of that person, and something good is happening. Is that what I'm understanding? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So and you're serendipity. Or coincidence? Or, well, no, or so, so here's the funny thing. I, I think you know? that it's almost the proof of by you trying to prove that she is not a voodoo princess or priestess, 
is getting you good luck. I think that's actually proof that she is a voodoo prince priestess. I don't know why you <laughs> want to keep calling her princess. Well, but that, that well, could be that know, could well, be it. It'd be like it. she's like winking at you, going, "Okay, yeah, I'm not one of these. Here are good blessings for you." <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, if she look, if she really did practice voodoo, uh, there's a 99% chance. Well, let's say I'm gonna go that uh, 90% chance that that this was not a curse. This was like a, hey, y'all, this hurricane's coming. Y'all better get out of here. So see <laughs> that know? that freaks uh, not freaks me out, but that is more concerning to me, like voodoo, than like something right. haunted, because I know yeah. that that goes on and people are involved. And there is a movie I don't remember what it was called back in the 80s. Uh, that that tied into voodoo, and it, it was very unsettling. That movie, it was a good horror movie. I don't remember the name of it, but anywho, I mean, so that that kind of that type of stuff does does kind of not freak me out because I don't think I think I would be more interested. Like literally, if things went yeah. to to hell in a handbasket, I would still be like, well, this is a great story. I mean, I'm not going to be around to tell it, but oh, my descendants are going to be able to tell this story. I, yeah. Here, I, I was right. I was writing this note as you were talking about uh, you doing research and then your sister doing research, how she had really kind of latched onto this one story. And it, do you ever find the broadcast of a particular story anticlimactic, meaning that, you know, you almost don't want to broadcast it because then you're not going to be researching anymore. You're not going to be thinking about it. You're, you're moving on to the next thing. Have you found anything to be anticlimactic that you didn't want to end? Uh, you know. Or are you always ready to well, next? Uh, you're pretty much, by the time you get to the point of, you know, really putting something out, you're usually done with it to a certain extent, or at least in the sense of, you know, if you're really going to research um, there might be questions or something, but it's not something you're going to answer now. Right. You know, and I think there's definitely, there are a handful that, I mean, we continue to look at stuff for, even though the episode's been out for over a year. Right. Um, there's still stuff there and, and, you know, and maybe they'll resurface in some way, but it's usually stuff that to go to the next spot with research, you would have to do more anyway, whether that's, you know, requesting documents that haven't been digitized yet, whether that's uh, going and finding some books that are out of print or, or, or something like that, or visiting a place or talking to some people. Um, usually we're able to at least get to the, get to a place before we publish an episode that, you know, we've exhausted everything available, at least through a digital means, you know, in the way we're doing the scope of it. Well, so then follow um, be really well, then follow up to that. Have you ever uh, done an episode that you've had to go back and revisited because of new or different information coming to light, or you've never had to do that? Yeah. You know, I, we, we've, we have, but it's never been massive. It's, it's always been like a kind of, you know, oh, this, but the thing that's been the most, there's one story that just hands down, um, it's, it's the, the, the Lake Lanier out outside of Atlanta. Um, it's this, this lake that's supposedly cursed. Okay. It's a man-made lake, uh, back in, oh gosh, I want to say 1955, uh, the Chattahoochee river was dammed up by the army Corps of engineers to make this lake that was supposed to be, you know, hydroelectric power and, and water source for Atlanta. Okay. Uh -huh. Back in 50 and 
So today, but today though, folks, when they hear Lake Lanier, they, they believe it's cursed because it's been the deadliest lake in the country. Like over 700 deaths have happened on this lake since uh, its creation. Still to this day, I mean, every summer, I have a Google alert for it. Every summer, I mean, five to 10 people are dying on that lake for uh, whether it's boating accidents, drowning, something like that. Right. And over the course of time, you know, we've had things where, you know, people talked about it like, People would say that you know they get pulled out of the lake by uh you know by a lifeguard or something that they felt like they were getting pulled into the lake and and it's fascinating because there's like an underwater ghost town underneath it and to a, to an extent you know and anyway so they said this lake's been cursed for years and years and years and 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 the the reason for a very long time they said it was cursed was because when the Army Corps of Engineers they purchased the the government purchased all this poor farming land that they didn't move some cemeteries and they built this lake over over cemeteries and didn't move the bodies okay and that that's why it's cursed well you know this was kind of the story when we were researching it it was back in like 2018 uh we're researching it a tv show came out uh, one of those like discovery channel ones with josh gates where he's got like scuba divers going under there and they're looking at they're looking at headstones under the water in the lake and all and you know, this is why it's cursed, right? Well, you know, what ends up happening is more information comes out and kind of hits the mainstream and, and, and folks, folks start to learn a little bit more. One of the, one of the places that are under the lake was this town called Oscarville. All right. And Oscarville about back in 1912, I believe so you're, you're talking 40 years before the lake was even made. Um, Oscarville was a primarily black town. And there was a, a large lynching there in 1912, and a lot of the people in that county ran all of the black people out of the county. Okay, it was Forsyth County, and completely made it a sundown area, everything, right? Right. Um, full just racial reckoning at that point, right? Um, so a, a book came out that was, that was discussing Oscarville. Uh, in the process of this book, nowhere in the book does it discuss Lake Lanier or anything else. But it talks about Oscarville. Folks know Oscarville's out there. So what we started to see all of a sudden was in like 2021, you know, folks started talking about, well, hey, that lake, there's no longer are we worried about cemeteries. Now everybody's saying that lake's so deadly because of what happened in Oscarville. So you're kind of like can watch in real time as this kind of story kind of unfolds. And, and kind of, you know, uh, evolved in and of itself. And in some ways, even, we end up feeling like we were a part of it, too, because, you know, we've, pre we've, we've presented this one spot here. This is what the story was in 2018, 2019. And then, you know, here we are, uh, excuse me, a few years later, and, and it's a completely different story. Right. You know, and it's just evolved over that time. And I, I think that kind of stuff, you know, at some point, it, it was such a popular episode. At some point, you know, we do have to readdress it. It's something like I keep my eye on because it's it's a very American myth. It's 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 very it's it's growing. It's changing almost like monthly at this point. How much this legend because it's starting to pop up in TV shows now. Even like a couple of uh, it, the TV show Atlanta um, had it in an episode. Really? You know, and so now here's even this 100% fictional, you know, TV show talking about 
this curse and kind of making its own story with it, you know, because it, a fictional TV show doesn't even have to be 100% accurate. Right. And that's probably swaying more people's minds, you know, than any nonfiction book or anything else you might read. So it's, uh, it's been, you know, did, did the TV show that. do it? Did the TV show do it justice? Like the curse or did they get oh, things? Yeah, right. Okay. Well, I didn't want it well, to be like you know, a, a case of telephone where, you know, they start telling and everyone starts telling the wrong story because the loudest voice right. is telling it incorrectly. So they did a good job well, of telling. It, it is like a telephone. I mean, it is telephone. I mean, they did a good job based on what they had. Right. You know, I think inevitably that's what this is, is what you're watching. If you are watching telephone and it's the same thing that I think happened to somebody like my voodoo priestess. Julia Brown, I, I think she wasn't one in 1915, but by the time you get her on, you know, Ghost Adventures or whatever TV show in 2010, 2015, boom, that, that game of telephone has taken off down there in the bayou, right? Right. And um, that's what that's what we're kind of watching with Lake Lanier. Um, you know, you see, you see the changes in um, YouTube episodes and how pe- people just start focusing on just different aspects of it. Um, and start looking at it differently, and then it kind of evolves, and it, it you know, it, it grows. But, uh, you know, I tell people like that one right there, Lake Lanier. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been to been to Georgia or anything, but if you're on a lake in Georgia, that's a hold my beer lake. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how paranormal this lake is. Yeah, um, I've been boating with it. <laughs> I I going back and forth. I'm originally from Florida. I've driven back and forth, and there have been times where I'll stop in Georgia, and it was funny because I remember once I was driving down there, and my wife's like, "Where are you?" And I'm like, "I go, I'm stopped at some Chick Fil A and somewhere in Georgia," and I go, "Hold on," she goes. What was that? And I go, well, I'm just trying to understand what these people are saying. She goes, are they not speaking English? I'm like, oh, I'm pretty sure they're speaking English, but I don't understand a word they're saying. So it can be like a total, it's uh, Georgia, the, their way of life down there, like you say, it is a hold my beer lake. It is a, it's just a different way of life, which is, which is fine. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And they, I'm just wondering if something overtly happened to me, whether I would identify it. It seems that no matter how high my IQ is, I still sometimes get dumbfounded. Like my wife and I were in Palm Springs one time when a, a what the locals said was a very, they thought it was a very strong earthquake. I think it was like four, six or four, eight, which doesn't sound, but for the locals, that's not just a little shaking. But it was funny because my wife, and I, my wife's always been from the Midwest. I was from Florida and then the Midwest, so I don't have any reference to earthquakes. But we stood there what for what seemed like 20 or 30 seconds just shaking. And then when the earth stopped, my wife and I looked at each other and said, what was that? It couldn't have been anything but an earthquake. But I'm kind of afraid that, that I may be in a situation like that where something paranormal will happen but I don't. I'm not smart enough to recognize what's actually happening while I'm in the moment. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah, I mean, and that's, I don't give myself that much faith either. Yeah, and, and my my other fear is that because I am a uh, cannabis consumer, and there are strains that can cause you to be. Like, I don't think I've ever got full-on paranoid, but 
Oh, I guess I have. I mean, I'm trying to say, I, I'm trying to think, no, I haven't. And then I think about, oh, well, if you hear a sound and you're like, what was that? That's, I mean, I guess that's kind of, but I, I don't want my personal, I, I don't want to read something into it that's not there as well. I mean, I think yeah. organ organically may not be the right term either, but just, you know, it was, I will tell you this. I wish I could remember the name of that stinking hotel in uh, downtown Denver. But anyway, we were, they, you had to, they had the skeleton keys is what you had for the room. No, no fancy swiping of a card or anything. Skeleton, skeleton keys on these really fancy, um, like leather keychains. In fact, whenever you left, even if you're just going out to eat, you had to check your keychain in because they didn't want people to steal them. Um, so they had the. This is where they had the ghost tours and everything. And I remember my wife and I were leaving. I think we were checking out of the hotel, so we're walking down this long hallway, and it's very like shining esque. It's very, it's very long. It's it's wider than what we're used to nowadays, and all the doors looked exactly the same, and not current doors like these were. You know, obviously from a time of yesteryear. And it was funny because right as we're walking by a door, a handle started rattling. Like, you're not talking about the Stanley Hotel, are you? No. So that one's in Estes no, okay. Park. Um, yeah. 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 And I can't, and, and I should because is, if I look it up, it's going to make me mad. Uh, let's see. I'm actually going to Haunted <laughs> Hotel in downtown Denver because I even remember the uh the stinking keychains they you know let's see downtown Denver yeah um the Oxford Hotel I even yeah oh, so it's yeah. the Oxford so I think it I think if I remember the history correctly it is the oldest hotel oldest continuously running hotel on the west side of the Mississippi I feel like that's a stretch because that's a pretty bold statement, but I, it, it had some sort of big statement, but it's called the Oxford Hotel and it's in lower downtown Denver. Um, and it, it was a cool place, but they, 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 I would like to experience more of be try to immerse myself. Like I never took the time to just sit there and try to feel any energy or something like that. And I don't, right. Unlike you, I don't have an EMF in my pocket or the, um, wh what was the other one again? The prayer, not a prayer box, <laughs> spirit the, box. the spirit, spirit box. box. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I didn't have those. I'm not saying that I will next time we visit Denver. Uh, but I may, who knows that that may be something I, I don't know if I can order those on Amazon or not, but if I can, that may be going with me to the Oxford hotel. Um, cause I'll do it. yeah. So that was, uh, uh that, that would be an interesting place. It was just funny because we're walking down and rattle, rattle, rattle. And, I, and, you know, you mentioned the Stanley. I remember going there as a kid. And so I don't think it really got to me because I think that. I'm thinking that The Shining came out about 1980. I don't think I saw The Shining in the theater. I think my parents probably would not let a 13 year old boy watch The Shining. Um. So I think that when we visited the hotel, I kind of knew about the movie and some of the history, but I didn't, I wasn't like now, yeah. if I went, I'd be like, Oh, 
I remember this, or this was portrayed differently, or whatever the case may be, but I don't even think I had a point of reference back then. Um, what is your next big, if you can even give us a hint, big story or big target, What what is the next big thing that you want to research and delve into? You know, I don't really have a giant one that I'm looking at in the future, you know, and we kind of have just this list of ones and usually. Well, I guess let me let me ask you this then, since you don't have that Mm -hmm. with your list, where do you get that list? Are these ones that you develop yourself? Are they sourced by your listeners? How do you get how do you find out about certain topics? Yeah, it's a little bit of everything. You know, I definitely get a lot of people will reach out to us. Um, I travel a lot. I mean, I, I pretty much, I try and, you know, leave, leave the house at least once a month, you know, get out of town and, uh, look up places. I have a fairly large library of books now of ghost books. Um, you know, so you kind of find it a lot of places. It, it pretty much, it's, you know, if, if you go looking for one topic, you end up finding five or six more things, you know, right. and it's just kind of grown on it over time. And, and it just kind of gets vet based on on you know how much information's there and how big it is, how real. Um, but you know, we we tend to. I prefer to find smaller stories rather than big stories. I, I've always really enjoyed finding one of those stories that might be on like a local ghost tour, but hasn't ever been on a TV show or anything. Right. And it might be a great story that. If it wasn't, you know, if, if it was not for this local community keeping it alive through tourism, no one would ever hear about it. You know, maybe there's like a self-published book that right. outlined it or, or some small regional print, but uh, I really enjoy those. So, so you know, it's, it's a good bit of just kind of digging around. I told you this before we hit the record button that I, I like to go that, although I do have notes that I tend to go way off topic. And part of this, as you were th- talking about, the way that you source some topics, what is the strangest way you ever learned about something that ended up being a show that you had never heard from before? Like you overheard it at a coffee shop or a pigeon dropped huh. a, a, an old newspaper clipping somehow or something. What's the most, what's the weirdest or most interesting way you found out about a story? Oh man, I don't know. I don't know if I have a weird one. Um, and I don't uh, know well, that I, one, I, uh, the, the most, the, the oddest one, the one that really fits the bill of like, no one else probably heard of this story unless you live there is I have, I have some really good friends that are in the music world. And one day we were sitting around hanging out and made a comment about how they would love to play something as like a soundtrack theme thing or whatever. Right. Like right. it was a married couple. And um, a friend, my friend, is an incredible country guitar player, incredible guitar player. He, um, you know, but his wife is incredible as a player. He is, his wife is just like, I mean, just, uh, she's a harpist. Like she's played like, like on, on stage with Beyonce and played at like the White House like several times. I mean, just this uh, incredible, you know, was like a child prodigy. Right. And she's a harpist. Anyway, so we're goofing off like, man, and he's like, well, wouldn't it be cool if I could find a ghost harpist? And then maybe we could, you know, do an episode. And, and sure enough, man, I found this, this wild story out, um, out uh, uh, by Cape Fear, Wil- Wil- Wilmington, North Carolina. 
um, of this 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 small house or this not small house but this house that was like an inn for a very long time and apparently this guy died and he was a harp player for the house band there's a really interesting story about how this guy made his way down to Wilmington and um, basically this house though since then this was published in, a, in like maybe two regional books and a newspaper article here or there um, uh, you know had some information about it but the house is now a private house like this story is no longer even getting told or anything right so it was kind of a it was really entertaining because it was, it was a story i never would have found anyway I basically just went looking for something that might fit this bill it turned out to be a really interesting great little story to research on top of the fact that like there's no way i would have found this had i not been looking for the specific topic because it, it would be so it's so far from really ever hitting right a broader you know um uh, anyway so well yeah i was gonna like the most fun way i was gonna say at at my age i'm 55 and i have i have yet to hear a ghost harpist story to this point so so i under what you're saying (laughs) that it's just not everywhere that you 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 turn and look to um no yeah okay so you've been doing this podcast for a while. I was going to ask you this very early on and now I'm asking you at the end, do you do anything pregame? And this is a podcast. This has nothing to do. Well, actually I can't make that statement for you. For me, my pregame routine before doing an episode does not involve ghost. Um, I don't know if yours do or not, but do you do anything like before we got on, do you, like I always have nervous energy. So I listen to music and I probably, yeah. I call it dancing. My kids would probably not call it that, but that, that's not the point. I'm just getting rid of it. So do you do anything prior yeah. to your episodes, either when you're a guest on someone else's show or during your own show? Do you, do you have a routine that you do? You know, it depends on the time of the day. I, uh, I tend to record my show early in the day since it's uh, it's just me it's a narrative right. show um you know it seems to be when i can have the most focus and kind of dial in and i i don't i sound better um but if i'm doing an interview th- this evening i didn't really have to pregame too much with you but if it's early in the day sometimes i will call a friend and just talk to a friend for a little while for right. about 15 minutes because uh, like trying to make sure that my brain works for adults, <laughs> if that makes sense. It does. You know, I got kids too, right? So, you know, like, it's like, you know, I drop my kids off at school or something, you know, you come home and maybe I'm working for a while and I haven't spoken to anyone. And then it's like, all right, well, you know, at 11 o'clock, I'm going to go on this other guy's show, you know, and it's like, I haven't spoken to another person in hours. Like, like maybe I need to warm this up. So that, right. that seems to be one of my, uh, my kind of rituals of, you know, make sure my brain is working, you know, that I'm in a, in a I jovial should pro- mood, I guess. That, that makes a lot more sense than doing what I'm doing. I should probably, that, yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, that seems to make a lot of, a lot more sense. So, okay. But, uh, you know, I don't get anxiety over it, though, anymore. I, I did for a while, and now it's just, you know, it's fun. This is fun. You know, you do it enough, and it, and it, it works. It is, and and I'm so glad that you you came on the podcast because you know just just hearing about what you're doing, uh, just uh, for me from a podcasting standpoint, listening to to uh, the show that you put out, it is 
it is very polished. It is, it is very nice. I think that was the first thing I mentioned to my wife when I was listening to one of your episodes. Oh, I got a button for that. So, but I mean, uh, I, I very much enjoy having you on and being able to talk because I haven't talked to anyone about that. I mean, my family, if I was to bring up ghost or ghost stories, I don't, I, I don't think that they would engage with me. I think they would, they would not. And just, they, they, they wouldn't engage. In fact, there's a place, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, uh, with the amount of research that you've done, but in Excelsior Springs, Missouri, which is north of Kansas City, called the Elms Hotel, and it's supposed to be Not very haunted. True. So it, uh, it, but we've talked about staying there. They have a spa that we've been to before, which is very nice. But it is, it is kind of that, um, oh, uh, kind of a Stanley vibe. I mean, when you're inside, you know it's not from this century. I mean, you, you just it, yeah. it just has that yeah. feel about it and that look about it. They haven't they've updated it, but then not that much. And we've talked about staying there, but my my wife's hesitant just because of the history. And it's funny because you know now that I think about it, it's funny because she won't sleep in a hotel room that she thinks might be haunted, but sleeping in an Airbnb, a shared Airbnb where someone's down the hall, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I just that. thought about that. Yeah. I'm going to have to point that out because yeah. I, I'm not, I, let's just say they're, they're both equally as dangerous. I'm not going to say one is more dangerous than the other, but if I had to choose, it would not be the ghost. That's not who I'd be. Cause I, uh, that's a, that's another story, but it, it is funny how do you run into it? I was about to wrap this up, but I came up with a, a, one more question. Do you run yeah. into a lot of people that once they hear what you do, um, that they have a story for you? I mean, is there a good amount of people who go, Oh, I oh, have yeah. something for you. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I say that I know everybody's weirdest day. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's as soon as somebody knows what, what you do and they feel comfortable, it's like all of a sudden they can let their guard down. And some of the people that I would just assume would be the biggest skeptics or would think it's total, you know, total BS or something will just give me some of the wildest stories sometimes. Have you, you know, ever been like, uh, you know, you can uh, stop talking, your lips can stop. I mean, have you ever been like, have you <laughs> always wanted that story or have you been like, I don't want to hear this, Susan? I mean, you know, sometimes they're a little out there. Some, you know, some of them like, I, I, honestly, the, the 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 people, the the stories I don't like listening to the most are the ones that like, they're super nerdy ghost hunter guys that you know it feels very embellished. Right. You know, I I don't mind hearing the kind of random. You know, somebody knows what you do and and you know they work an office job and have a regular life and they're like, oh my god, I need to tell you about what happened. You know, like, yeah, like the whisper, you know, like all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's not easy, you know, but, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy that. It's, it's interesting. And I think it's, it's been fascinating because it's just, it, it, it shows that everybody, this is not, you know, uh, this, it, what you see on the travel channel with ghost adventures and ghost hunters and all the wackadoos, a lot more people believe this stuff than you might, might think, you know? 
Well, and I think that's what is surprising and why people accept my wife's story. Because if we were standing in a room of 100 people and someone said, tell us who you 100% would, there's this person's going to have a ghost story. They would point to me. Whether they thought it was true or not, right. that'd be a different thing. But to my wife, they'd be like, there's no way that she has a But yet she does. And that's why, like, so when she says that, like when I'm telling all the details, the intricate details of my interaction with this ghost, and they're denying that I had this interaction, and then my wife's like, no, it happened. They're like, oh, really, Bobby? Tell us more. And I'm like, really? Come on. <laughs> so, um yeah. It, it is what it is, but it, it just, I mean, I, I don't, I get some weird stories, but minor because of the, uh, I don't understand to this day, the title of my show is the stone genius. It's me. It's no one else. I mean, like if you go on the Joe Rogan show, you are not Joe or Rogan. You are not the Joe Rogan show. You're because a lot of people, I don't know if I can be on your show because the word stones in it. And I'm like, why do you guys always forget about genius? Genius is also in the title, but no one ever thinks about, (laughs) I mean, no one ever thinks about that. So they always, so I get some weird stories too. I just don't get the weird ghost stories, but I think I am going to solicit those now because (laughs) <laughs> for 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 good or for bad, and I will say for good for the most part, I hear from a lot of the listeners. They like to give me feedback or, you know, oh, you should talk more about this or go down this. I'm sure that I will hear from some of our listeners about stories they have. And they may have some stories that are so good that they'll be passed along. Now, oh, now okay, so um, I will eventually let you go probably. Um do you try on your, here's my other question. I promise this will probably maybe be the last. When you're doing a show, do you typically want to visit the site or can you do everything from a distance? I wish I could, but it's just impossible for okay. everything, you know. Well, so, because I know that you do mostly, I know that you do mostly in in the southern United States because that's geographically where you were located and where you grew up. But I was I was thinking yeah. this as I'm saying this that we have a lot of international listeners, and I just wonder because of the towns that some of these people that I've talked to and know the the age of them, they may have stories, and so I didn't know if you ever delved into stories that may not be as geographically near you as what you're used to doing. Yeah. I mean, I, I do say Southern, but you know, I mean, it's a pretty wide, you know, right. I mean, I do stuff up in West Virginia and Arkansas and all, and I'm pretty centrally located. I, I again, I mean, I make it out to a lot of spots and I, I will. And, you know, we've done, I don't know, about a, you know, over a hundred episodes, you know, I'm not quite sure. 125 episodes at this point and uh, you know i just i couldn't visit them all but right it's i've been to a lot i really have um, some of it's after the fact you know i don't make it out to the east coast much so like like you know i'm gonna be out in charleston at the end of july here um but you know i don't i just it's, it's savannah and charleston's kind of a stretch i mean anything that's within Al- tennessee alabama 
uh, Mississippi and Louisiana is fairly easy for me. Uh, you know, I ended up traveling down to New Orleans a good bit because there's family and, you know, so I take a lot of detours and I'll kind of bop around that way. But uh, as you kind of go up north, I, I'll hit Kentucky stuff fairly regularly. Um, but getting up into Virginia and some of the Carolinas and all, it's, just, it, it's a little too far right. for the, uh, the amount of time. So uh, I, I wish I could. It, it brings a whole new perspective when you get to go there and really feel it, you know, well, as I said, and, and see a place. Well, I am so glad that you uh, that came on the program. I hope that uh, sometime in the future that you could be on again, because generally what happens is as soon as I'm done with a an episode, then I spend the next amount of time writing questions that I would have asked. And one of them, I'm not asking <laughs> it now. But I mean, one thing that I became curious about, because as a genius, one thing that, that I identify very easily or generally do is uh, the pattern. So I would just be curious because we were talking about the genealogy part, whether there would be a pattern of families that may be haunted. Because when I because I started thinking about this when I when I'd mentioned, you know, I have people that listen overseas, you know, I was thinking Louisiana, where you grew up, is you know uh, a, a lot of uh, French influence. I know that the people that I know people that listen in France. I just wonder, you know, whether certain lines of people, and that's probably, you know, something you're not even interested in. But I would be interested if there's information out there on whether certain families are more haunted, not necessarily their yeah. house, but say, you know, the Smiths, yeah, their house down the street, and their son that lives in Seattle, haunted, and their daughter that lives in Louisville, haunted you know i just wonder whether there there's certain families <laughs> would do that so yeah okay so well uh, hey brandon thank you so much for being on the program i i very much appreciate it um it, it was great to uh, get to know you and, and talk about uh, your podcast and what you do i mean not only for me i got to learn a little bit on the podcasting side of it but uh love learning about uh, the program that you have and I've been very interested. I've I've been listening to the last few episodes. So thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you for having me on, Rep. Oh, you're so welcome. And for everyone, the podcast is called Southern Gothic, the podcast. Uh, you can find that everywhere, correct, Brandon? Is that correct? Yep, everywhere you get your podcast. Okay. Okay, that's awesome. So, hey, Brandon, thank you again for being on the show. Uh, everyone else, thank you for listening to the program. You guys know me. My name's Ro. I'm the Stone Genius. Till next time. Talk to you later. Bye.